welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. Our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Chad Simpson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Good. How's it going, Jim? Hey, Chad. How are you, man? Jim, do you uh, did you ever have any history in wrestling growing up? What was your history of that? Uh, my history is very brief with wrestling, having three younger brothers. Uh, my dad bought us a king-size mattress and we put it in the basement and so we had some royal rumbles with the little bros that's about all i can relate to with wrestling yes same i remember watching some of those uh more wwf stuff when we were, we're 12 years old and yeah. i was i was the biggest wimp so i i would just tap out and bail if we get into <laughs> wrestling but today we have our first guest uh in the wrestling world we got a mentor of mine uh tim johnson has had a long legacy um with fca in Illinois, um, and he shares his his journey through through the world uh, of wrestling, and now he's able to give back as an announcer for the Big Ten Network and ESPN um, in wrestling. But um, yeah, Jim, do you have anything that you would want to highlight out of this one? Well, enjoyed uh, Tim and his conversation, his testimony, great conversation you two had, and I know he's a mentor to you. But uh, what a legend with uh, just what he's doing in the area of, um, you know, FCA up in Illinois. And I, I just love hearing hearing these stories and how God and his sovereignty has a plan for each and every one of our lives and how God was prepping him to serve right where he's called him. And for me, as I listen to these podcasts, it's kind of like... I'm waiting for the uh, filet mignon. I'm waiting for the meal. And we have the appetizer. We get the salad. We get the soup a little bit. But I think, Chad, when you asked him about that uh, pacing question and the prioritizing and how he kind of went into that, I think that's when the meat started coming out. And I loved hearing his purpose statement, being able to put that on a T-shirt. And then he shares this acrostic uh, shape. And man, I just I just really enjoyed hearing that part. So I encourage you to lock in about halfway through when you start hearing uh, that topic. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for that, Jim. I, I love this one as well. And just uh, if you get a chance to watch it, Tim was in the mountains of Colorado when we recorded and uh, it, it, we lost a little bit of service here and there, got a little choppy for a few months, but this conversation was still so good. We, we wanted to share it with you guys. Um, so be prepped for that. But yeah, 100%, this guy, he was the guy at 6 a.m. Um, across the coffee table with me, um, pouring into me when I'm 23, 24, a uh, young, uh, aspiring leader. So um, huge, huge uh, gratitude for what Tim has meant for me. And his his Twitter handle is TJ Keep On, and his gives us the T-shirt Keep On. And he's just uh, an amazing representation of a man that's persevering, that's finishing well. And so just don't want to waste any more of your time. Let's just get into this episode right now. Tim Johnson, it's such a such a privilege to get to talk with you again. We've we've had a lot of conversations, uh, 6 a.m. County Market. And uh, I'm just excited that this time we get to record the conversation so other people get to hear it. Um, but just want to throw it right to you from the bat. Um, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Well, uh, first of all, Chad, uh, people uh, we don't, don't know what county market is. It's a grocery store. So you and I did our mentoring and discipleship in a coffee shop in a grocery store. So uh, that's just proof that it can be anywhere. But when I think about the question you just asked me, you know, I just think it's somebody that uh, 
um, is doing what they're doing, in this case, coaching out of the overflow of a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus. And so, you know, it's as simple as that. If, if our uh, coaching, our leading is out of the overflow of a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus, then you are a Christ-following coach. And so I guess that's a better way of saying Christian. I think a Christ-following coach coaches out of the which is, uh, I believe, allows us to be all that God has purposed us to be. That's really good. Really good. Love that. Um, deep and abiding relationship with Christ. And and just want to get into your upbringing. Just curious, can you just share a little bit about what it was like growing up, your sports, your faith, family background? Yeah, I'm a farm kid. Um, grew up you know, showing calves and sheep at the county fair, uh, you know, beans, corn, uh, livestock, uh, south of a little town called Morning Sun, Iowa, in the southeast corner of the Hawkeye State. And uh, uh, early on, uh, I, as the Lord would have it, I uh, ran into a little issue in that uh, we had a brand new riding lawnmower uh, on a certain day in June of 1960. And I was a dumb kid, ran up behind to scare the person on it and a little dew on the ground. And I had tennis shoes on. I slipped underneath it and it, it sliced my leg off, bone, no, bone artery, nerve, everything except for a piece of skin. And a 17-year-old working on the farm for 60 hours a week, $1 an hour. And he was an Eagle Scout and he saved my leg and my life. And, and so my life from 7 till 15 was surgery every year for eight years six months on crutches and at the same time i had a pe called a pt back then um, but pe coach who was also the wrestling coach that wouldn't let me make excuses and had me raise kids on my crutches and fell in love with the sport of wrestling later because of that coach i played baseball i also played football broke the same leg twice and backyard football and junior high and the doctors told me I couldn't play baseball or football anymore. And, and you don't do that in, in a small town like morning sun, because the football coach was also coach Dara, who was a wrestling coach. And I thought I'd be dead to him or so. So I thought, and he, I call it the life changing power of, uh, of um, well-chosen words. When I told him I couldn't play football in high school, he put his hand. I thought he was going to hit me. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, as long as you wrestle Timmy, you'll be okay. And I committed my life to wrestling right there. And um, so I, I wrestled throughout uh, um, high school and college, uh, Division III, um, co-college in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Then I went on to grad school in, in, um, at UNI in Cedar Falls, Northern Iowa, and then coached for several years. Um, and um, I thought I'd always coach because I knew I wanted to coach since I was 12 years old because of Coach Dara. And um, some of what you'll probably get into is how I then got into more of a different kind of leadership, still involved in sport. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, growing up on a small town, there's nothing like small town, uh, Iowa. Um, and it was a, a great upbringing. Grew up in the church, although I didn't surrender my life to Christ until I was in, uh, 29 years old. And we can talk about that later. Um, but uh I grew up in a church, small country church, Reformed Presbyterian. We sang the Psalms um, a cappella. And when you only have 50 in the place and a couple of them can't sing, uh, uh, sing tune, um, it sounds pretty bad. 
but I can tell you there's not a day goes by that I don't sing some of those Psalms nice. now. So we were, we were, I didn't like it then, but we were learning the scripture and singing the Psalms and God all along had it planned that his word would be written on my heart. And, um, and so, yeah, just a small town upbringing had to overcome some obstacles um, found out later after those eight years and eight surgeries at the university hospitals in Iowa City, Iowa. Um, didn't know it, but I had world famous doctors, mm. world renowned doctors. And I had no idea because, you know, mom was the one that was taking care of me. I didn't know whether I was in good hands or not. And found out later uh, that God had me all the way. And uh, so I still have the leg and uh, still keeping on. Mm. Yeah, I can. I can see the T-shirt. Um, I, I brought mine as well. I'll maybe ask ask a little bit at the end about that. But it seems like um, when young people go through the adversities, it, it transforms into a great coach, um, you know, from the adversities that you went into. Um, I, I know I went through some as well as a, as a teen. But um, just curious, after, after your time wrestling, um, they're in your 20s. Can you just tell us more about what you did professionally and then how did you end up there with uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes? Yeah, you know, what just came to my mind, unfortunately, is when you mentioned my 20s, um, it's more about what I, you know, what I was doing personally, I was chasing darkness. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's a good way of saying what I was doing in my twenties, chasing darkness and, and thinking it was great stuff. Um, knowing all the way, I mean, it's like a weight in the back of my head, knowing all the time that I was chasing the wrong thing, but, mm -hmm. um, that's not what the world was telling me. I uh, had a tremendous high school team, um, state champions. Um, uh, I was really the first coach to ever coach, um, a four-time state champion in Iowa because uh, the rest of them either didn't have the same coaches all four years. Grandel was the fifth, and I was the first one to have coached every one of his matches in his four years and had a lot of good athletes and a lot of success, and people would call me. And because of my connections and um, being a, a uh, hooked up again with coach Dara who went off and left morning sun and, and um, uh, built one of the great dynasties in the nation in Des Moines Dowling. Um, we hooked up as the coaches for the, uh, the Iowa national uh, freestyle Greco teams that uh, wrestled at the national juniors every year. And I was one of the state coaches and I got connected and developed a relationship with uh, the executive director of the national uh, wrestling association. And, um, I moved then, um, to Stillwater, Oklahoma, um, to join what would become USA wrestling as their first national events director. And so I moved to Stillwater, Oklahoma. My office was in right next to Gallagher Iba hall where the, um, two famous a basketball and, a um, uh, wrestling coach named for the, the arena there. And, uh, National Wrestling Hall of Fame is right there. And that at the time was where USA Wrestling was. And uh, God picked me up out of my circumstances, my friends, my circle of friends and the things I was chasing and took me down to a desert experience. I mean, Stillwater was appropriately named in my as far as I was concerned. And uh, I walked into University Heights Baptist Church and and uh, a few months later uh, surrendered my life to Christ. Um, the, the pastor was a former athlete at Oklahoma State, spoke the same gospel I'd grown up hearing, but um, God opened my heart. 
because it's all God, as we know. I didn't become smarter than the next person. I didn't all of a sudden realize my sin without it being God that put the faith of Christ in me so that I could understand and respond uh, to my need for a savior. And um, then I had the opportunity at that time um, to uh, uh, direct the Olympic games in 1984 for wrestling and moved out to LA. But in the meantime, I um, had a blind date in Iowa City with a girl when I opened the door, I said, oh, this will not be an unpleasant evening. And three months later, we were married on the Queen Mary. And no I think way. we're going to make it. Um, we uh, uh, just celebrated 38 um, years. But that was two weeks before the Olympics. And uh, and so uh, um, that was quite an experience. I uh, spent another year and a half with USA Wrestling. And then I wondered if I could do anything but wrestling. And I'd never accept swimming at the Y when I grew up. I'd be. Uh, that's the only experience. And some people knew of my leadership and they were looking for leadership outside uh, the YMCA's in Wichita, Kansas. And I was asked to come and be the, the leader of a metropolitan YMCA's in Wichita, Kansas. Um, and I did that for five years. But what was eating at my heart was YMCA's are um, for better community betterment. But I knew I was about coaches and athletes. And uh, make a long story short, I came to Champaign to lead a national coaching education program called the American Sport Education Program, ASAP, a, um, a, uh, a part of the largest uh, publishing company in the world for sport and physical education, Human Kinetics Publishers. So I came to Champaign uh, to lead a national coaching education program because, you know, we know who's coaching our kids, but who's coaching our coaches. And man, that made my heart leap. And yet at that time, Lisa and I were still growing. We'd been discipled by a, uh, uh, an elderly oil man, successful oil man in the navigator business in Wichita, in the navigator ministry. And then we were growing at uh, Twin City Bible Church in, um, in, in Champaign-Urbana. And we knew we wanted to follow the Lord, but had never thought about being in full-time Christian ministry until some people from FCA walked into my office. Lou Tepper was the head football coach at the time. He had been saved um, through SCA in the 60s, and we were looking to have Illinois have their first, or they were looking to for Illinois' first state director. Forty other states had uh, state directors. Illinois did not. They sent them to my office, Human Connect, see what was going on in my life, to see if I wanted to be on a board. And story for another time, but three months later, Elisa and I came on the FCA staff as the first state director and staff, and... Um, for Illinois, and we're in our 30th and final year um, leading in FCA. And now um, I lead um, as the vice president for the Midwest, uh, five states, Illinois, Missouri, Iowa, Kansas, and Nebraska. I also oversee FCA wrestling, uh, which has had a huge worldwide impact. And uh, Lisa is the HR coordinator and all hiring flows through her. So we've been a team and uh, here we are. And, uh, you know, and I don't know what uh, God has for me in my 70s. Just turned 69. I'll be 70 when I come in for a landing as the vice president for FCA. So there you go. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And um, I'm thinking through I was probably 23 to 25 as I was able to attend your coach's Bible study there in Champaign, Illinois. Um, and have some mentoring discussions with you. One of the first books you had us read as a group was Leaders That Last. Mm -hmm. 
and and the chapter on pacing um, was was really encouraging for me to read as a as a new uh, leader and then seeing you there in, in your 50s or 60s um, continuing that. But I'm just curious for your pacing in ministry, you know, sad stories. We hear a lot of people get out of ministry or fail. But I'm just curious, like, what do you credit to your you know 30 plus years in ministry as far as the pacing goes? Well, it's interesting. Um, I think. um pacing is highly overrated and so i think we'll all get to the same point here but i think prioritizing is what's more appropriately we need to focus on because i believe we've been called to get out and go let's get going let's go now if we get ahead of ourselves now pace is a problem but that's not the real problem where'd you start your day and so I get up an hour and a half before my first appointment. And if it's seven o'clock, I, I try not to have a lot of 7 a.m.s. And out here in Colorado, a 7 a.m. is a 6 a.m. But, uh, you know, where do I start? I start in the word and in prayer. And then pace isn't an issue. Mm. So it's out of the overflow again. So I think somebody that's concerned a lot about pacing is um, probably you're missing the point. Um, if you prioritize um correctly um pacing won't be an issue you'll mm. you'll, you'll you'll do the right things and so there's kind of maybe not where you thought i was going to go but i don't spend a lot of time thinking about pacing i think about um what where do i begin every day and what's the next right thing to do because i think god's always um going to show you the next right thing mm. and then are you going to be obedient to that next right thing and before you know it the day's over and because obviously I, um, I really at 57, I was flying out here to Colorado Springs and we didn't talk about it, but that's where I spend a lot of time. We have a home out here. And so I'm in Colorado Springs and there's Pikes Peak right there. And it's beautiful, but I was flying out here on an FCA trip before we lived out here. And I was reading that book you're talking about by Dave Kraft, Leaders Who Last. And on the front, it says 30% of leaders don't last. Only 30% of leaders last. And that is a, it just stunned me. And in that book, it says, um, I think it was Peter Drucker, who was, uh, you know, a, um, a, a guru when it comes to uh, life strategy. Um, he said, your, your purpose statement should be small enough that it fits on the front of a, a T-shirt like mine. And I go, well, I like that because I used to spend a lot of time at leadership institutes. They said, oh, let's develop missions. And I'd sit in the corner and doodle. I mean, you know, a mission state. But when I saw that uh, 12 years ago, I went, I can do that. And I just was thinking about God's, what's your purpose for me? And I knew, and I said, you want me to stay in shape? Wasn't a grandpa yet. I just became a grandpa. So I'm an old grandpa and I got to stay in shape. In about 10 minutes, and you've seen this, I think I've shared this article with you. In about 10 minutes, I wrote, stay in shape. And I went, S-H-A-P-E. I want to be spiritually nourished with the word fresh on my heart every day. So that when people ask me, what's your favorite verse? I'm not saying Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, 10 years ago, five years ago, and today. I want to be spiritually nourished, the word fresh on my heart every day. There's your S. The H is, got to keep your heart pumping. I've been on a Schwinn Airdyne since 1988 and I do other things, but there's part of my day. You know, part of my day is 45 minutes with cardio, some lifting, whatever, because I got to keep my heart pumping so that my attitude's right. There's a, 
you know, attitude's everything. And Matthew 6, 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so if I'm seeking him first, my attitude's going to be right so that I, and I'm a list guy, so I have lists every morning. And if I'm on exercising or if I'm looking at my list and I'm praying and God brings something to my mind, it's his purposes that I want to fulfill. There's the P and the E is every day. And so S-H-A-P-E, um, I, I want to stay in shape. And you, we, we referred to our T-shirt. And I don't know whether my 70s, whether Keep On Ministries is going to be the deal. But my two words right now at my age, with what I believe God's called me to do, to glorify him and enjoy him forever, um, I've got to keep on. And uh, I'm, I've got different verses that inspire me in that. Um, and, but I want to help people keep on. And so I don't even know how we got where we got right now. You asked yeah. me a question and I kind of ran on. There you go. I got, you I, got mine, I got mine as well. I appreciate you handing that out. And it's uh, been a, you're a great role model um, for, for me to see that you continue to keep on. I remember you saying, um, you know, re- retirement is not in the Bible, but rehirement is whether that's volunteer or a new role. So is there, is there anything brewing or, or stirring on your heart? Like, what does it mean for you today to think about keeping on? Yeah, I think one of God's gifts is my, is to encourage, is encouragement. So uh, bottom line, I want to um, grow as a disciple maker. I want to be like Bill Brunson was for me, a 70 year old oil man, quite successful, but the the joy of his heart in life was uh, making disciples. So uh, now, uh, you know, in a way there's different things, whether I, uh, whether I go out and encourage people in a, a ministry, whatever I'm doing, I want to grow as a disciple maker. And so I think, you know, God's really clear with our purpose. I mean, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. There's our purpose. And we know that the way we're going to glorify him is to fulfill the great. So I'm, I'm not uh, confused about my purpose for my mm-hmm. 70s. Now I just got to wait and see how God wants me to carry out um, as a growing. I've got a lot of growing to do as a disciple maker. And I want to be involved in multiplication. So, I, um, uh, you know, disciple multiplication. And so that kind of answered your question. And it, I do not. I'm so excited about not knowing specifically. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to what God has for me in my 70s. Yeah. Now, I know what I want to do when I'm 80 um because i wanted to do this i've always wanted to run a corner gas station and um, have it be full service teach 15 and 16 year olds how to work have a coffee shop inside where uh people come in and talk about jesus and um i I worked at a sinclair station when i was 17 or 18 and and i said i i want to do that and i was getting excited about a year ago thinking about that i look at every corner gas station there is and i don't have to make a living because i just want to make a life i mean and god's blessed me that way and I hear this. I've never heard God audibly, but he impressed upon me. You can do that when you're 80. That's right. what I heard. You well, can I do can't, that when you're 80. I can't wait to get a cup of coffee with you there and, yeah, and yeah. 10 plus years. Um, you, you mentioned just I love the clarity that you have on making disciples, glorifying God, the Great Commission, uh, your gift of encouragement. Um, and you, you obviously mentioned Jesus. And um, just I want to tee you up here. For this one after our time together but why is jesus the greatest leader of all time 
Well, I've been thinking about him a lot. I, and I, I, I would just say um, his humility. And so if you had to cut me off, there is where it is. And so therefore, I pray every day. There's a book called Humility by Andrew Murray. Um, and there's a prayer in the back. I pray every day that God would rid me of the pride, whether it's my flesh, whether it's the devil or the world, whatever brings it in. And he would awaken me to the humility of Christ so I could really, really realize what it means uh, to be Christ-like. And so he, he came here and over 33 years, which is a, a long obedience to, in one direction. Mm. Be, because of his humility, he was obeying his father to go to the cross and die for our sins. And so I believe the greatest leaders are the ones that truly have the most who, who live a, a life of humility. And I'm proof that you can't do that on your own because I have so much pride. And yet, you know, the, the um, uh, Matthew five through seven, uh, the, the, the sermon on the Mount is, is expressed. It's to us as believers those who have the power of Christ in it. It's not to people who do not have Christ to try to tell them how to live life. It's the life that is possible and should be pursued by one who has the power of Christ in them or else it's futile. Mm. And so I look forward to having a deeper relationship with Jesus so that out of the overflow I be I I grow in humility. Mm, powerful man. Thank you for sharing, and um, I just want to keep going. I, I I love hearing from your wisdom, and uh, I'm going back to a moment I had just accepted my head coaching job at my small NI college, Point University, and we had one more sit down um, before I left town and headed to Georgia. And and you're like last piece of advice. You shared a quote with me that stuck with me, and and I had every intention of getting this right. And I still fell short um, of, of reaching this quote, but you said I underrelated to those who underperformed. And I just think a lot of coaches can, can relate and connect to that where, you know, it's easy to connect with the stud, but hard to, to connect with every player on the roster. Um, but just curious from your experience, what was that like for you? And what advice would you give to that, that young coach who's going off to, to um, coach up his student athletes? Well, the advice I'd give is listen to older people. So uh, the best advice I can give to a 20-year-old is listen to 40-year-olds because you don't know nothing until you're 40. And then what you know is that you don't know much. Mm. Wow, now that's the beginning of wisdom, I think. Uh, and then the 40s should listen to the 60s because we in our 60s and 70s, we had to wean ourselves off of copying people when we were in our 20s and 30s because that's all we had, copy the coaches we had. Then we worked out from 40 to 55 or so, we worked out um, what God has worked into us uniquely to be who God had called us. And since about 55, I've been from like the karate kid. I've just been trying to wax on, mm -hmm. wax on uh, wisdom. And so uh, the advice is, seek out older people. Cause as an older guy, I knew I underrelated to underperformers and I'm sick about it in one sense. I mean, because man, you know, I was seeing how I could get my wrestling team down to 17 or 18 wrestlers that wanted to be in there and wanted to do what I knew what it take to be the best they could be. 
missing the whole point of sport. I should have been seeking to have the, a room built twice as big so I could get 40 or 50 uh, at the time young men uh, in there uh, to have them experience what um, sport is all about. Because, see, when you underrelate to underperformance, it's really all about you. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. I, you know, I wanted to see what they could do for me. Um, and obviously the studs were doing a lot uh, for, for the coach. And, and so I just realized as I got older that I have a propensity towards under-relating to underperformers. Uh, there's an issue of pride. And I just always want to, Lord, how do you want me to um, see everything I do differently so that I can, um, uh, well, sport is a good example. Uh, I was missing the point of what a high school wrestling program should be all about. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we won a lot, but there's kids out there that probably don't have a lot of good things to say about their relationship with me because I was just challenging them to quit. Um, if they weren't going to give their all and, uh, you know, I was pretty sure I was right and I was wrong. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Great advice. I do think that's like one of the breakdowns uh, within within the church probably is just uh, the younger generations learning from the generations above us. And so I think that's that is central and just finding those mentors who are out there. But um, this is maybe my last question. And uh, just being growing up near Champaign, um, I got to go back this summer and work the, the summer camp, uh, the free day camp that you guys have built. But um, just the legacy that you have there in Champaign on such a strong ministry, deeply embedded in the community um, is huge. I know from FCA that you've a big part of your job is recruiting staff and hiring others. Um, but just curious, as you're trying to build teams, whether it's recruiting um, or just hiring assistant coaches, but what advice do you have for coaches as they're trying to build, build out their teams? Well, and you're, you're talking about whether I'm building a team of staff or a coach is building up a team of coaches and leaders. I, I, I just always kind of I, I focus on zeroing in on the call, whether people are called to this and therefore whether they understand calling. So I want to know where their relationship with Jesus is, but calling whether they're competent. I want to I don't I want to place them where they can flourish. So um, a lot of times you have to do for people. If you missed on that, you have to do for people what they won't do on themselves, and you got to move them into a place that they'll flourish. And uh, and then lastly, if they're a culture fit, for there's three C's, I guess, um, calling, competency, and if they're a culture fit, which comes back to, uh, you know, uh, what their beliefs are. And so I think you can utilize that if you're building a team, building a company. I think if you're um, building a, a, a staff in coaching and looking for who are going to be the leaders, not again, there's a big difference between who's going to be in leadership and who's going to be on the team. That team should have a big, big net. And if there's something that can be um, really um, learned by being on the team, let's open that. Let's open that room to them. But boy, to be a leader, I'm looking at the calling, the competency, and the culture fit uh, for that. And uh, so, you know, and then somebody that's coachable is another C. And I learned, I, you know, I, you know, I've been broadcasting for 37 years. Uh, you know, I've done 18 NCAA's on ESPN and been with the Big Ten Network for 15 years. And 
I've learned what it means to be coachable more there than anything because I know wrestling. But ESPN and the Big Ten Network, they know TV. And I've learned to submit to their expertise. So I think submission is a big part of being coachable. And I, I learned there's a great book by um, David Halberstein, one of the um, great authors, I think. I just love the way he wrote he passed on a few years ago, tragically, but he wrote a lot of baseball books as one of them. It was called October 1964, one of my favorite books. And it's about the year in the World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals, and New York Yankees. And uh, a couple of nights ago, we all, you know, we all, ri- you know, all rise. Um, Aaron Judge, uh, uh, you know, that's quite a quite a feat. And of course, they clean. And uh, but anyway, in this book, um, the uh, the um, to work the rookie at the time, Mel Stoudemire, who was quite a pitcher and became a fighter, has passed on too. And he said, "Here's what he said in his writing. I'll never forget this, and it changed my idea of what coachable means." He said, um, "Stoudemire was a coach's dream. He not only had the ability to listen." but he knew how to turn it into successful action. Mm. Now I read this about 30 years ago, but when I was coaching, I thought coachability meant any kid that looked at me with his tongue hanging out, it's going, yes, coach. Yes. Coach. Yeah. 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 And that's not being coachable until you see whether they will take what they said they'll do and turn it into successful action. So I believe in anywhere I'm looking in leadership for coachable people. Well, guess what? That's somebody that truly understands the importance of submission to authority, to the next line above them. And I believe all great leaders love to follow great leaders. Mm. And so um, there's a humility there. And um, I think it's been lived out since Jesus, who did not do anything except for what the father said. And um, and he loved to follow his father's lead and great leaders love to follow. And so that's, you know, I'm going to look if you there's four C's, but the big one is, are you coachable? If you're coachable, you're probably called. Uh, competency is something, you know, the 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 um, the called can be trained. The called can be trained. Mm-hmm. So there's the most important. And um, but. If you're not called, you could be the most talented person in the world and you might not be coachable. And that's a dead end. Mm. There you go. That's We're good, probably Sam. way past time. That's good. No, that's, uh, that's so good. We could definitely go for round two on um, one day, but um, I appreciate it. We'll do it sometime. You know? I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for making time to connect. And just, we like to end with prayer. Is there, is there anything that we can be praying with you about? Well, I think, Hey, if somebody's praying about me, that I would really be listening uh, to what God has for me, for his glory in my 70s. Mm. There you go. And that I would I would I'm coming. The thing I'm most excited about right now is the leaders that I have around me in the Midwest. And I'm going to tell you, they won't miss me for a day when I'm gone. Uh, Someone once told me when I was coaching Mount Vernon, the dust will not have settled when you leave town before they forget about you. And I'll tell you what, that is a truth. I mean, and um, 
and I, and I, you know, life goes on. We do not have time to think about how great somebody is or was when they were here because life goes on. And um, I have a, a group of uh, leaders right now that are so good that I'm going to enjoy building them up and, and encouraging them, but they won't need me. And I feel really good about that. But I, I do want prayer about being obedient to what God has for me in my 70s. Awesome. That's so good. Well, let's bow before the Father and pray. Lord, thank you. Uh, thanks so much. You're you're good. And, and we're thankful for the work that you've done in and, and through Tim, um, through the leaders that he's risen up uh, within FCA and, and around the communities that he lives in. Uh, just pray, God, that he would be able to listen and hear your voice. We know that, that your sheep... Uh, can hear your voice and just pray that you would lead him uh, into this next season of life into his 70s and uh, we just praise you and and give you all the glory um, and pray all this in Jesus' name amen amen wow what a beautiful conversation appreciate tim being with us just hearing his story hearing his heart what a legend and i hope you tuned into that acrostic as he shared shape s spiritually minded h heart pumping a attitude p his purposes and then e every day uh man enjoyed that conversation chad yeah and uh i just remember when i was starting off my career group of maybe six or seven mostly public high school coaches going to his bible study and tim just had so much passion always would direct us back to the gospel and then we would just be sent out um you know just with the gospel in our mind uh, wherever we went but i remember him saying uh retirement is nowhere in the bible he said it's about rehirement not retirement and for me starting my career you know everybody's thinking all right i'm gonna retire in 30 years i'll have this much money blah 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 and um i think tim just hearing his heart now nearing the retirement age and still thinking through like, how am I still going to be making disciples? How am I still going to be having a, an impact uh, in, on this world? Uh, it's just a huge testimony to, to keep on as Tim loves to encourage us. Um, but go ahead, Jim. Yeah, well, just love that. Uh, he said, you know, your purpose statement, fit it on a t-shirt. And so keep on. Uh, what an incredible mission statement. And again, just, um, you know, as a gentleman approaching 70 he still got more life in him you see it he is spiritually fit uh physically fit and uh just uh, learned a lot through this conversation so listeners we thank you for being part of this podcast we always close each episode and remind all of us that the mission field is right where you are at